0: Let's turn over to Acts chapter number 13 again. Acts chapter 13. Uh, I want to only read the two verses that I... I, These two verses are my emphasis for this whole message. Uh, He says in verse 32, We declare, and we declare unto you the glad tidings, how that the promise which was made to the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he raised up Jesus again, As it is written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son this day have I begotten thee. Let me just read on. 34. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I'll give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after that he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep, and was laid unto his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up, raised again, saw no corruption. Sometime you ought to study that passage in this light. The Charismatics, some of the Charismatics preach that Jesus had to go to hell and there in hell uh, the Holy Spirit had to come and retrieve him to be our Savior. Savior. If you just listen to that verse, it refutes every bit of that. He saw no corruption. That's not my message, but I couldn't pass it up. seemed like just need to say something about it. What I really want to emphasize is verse 32 says, "We declare the glad tidings, and we've, I've already mentioned this this morning, and then verse 36. That David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. He died and was uh, laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. And uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, I, I've called this message declaring God to our generation. And uh, I've already introduced. I, I might have introduced it this morning. i don't know if I ever got through with my introduction, but i'm going to skip a point or two, and I want to talk about God's provision for our introduct- for our generation uh, my My first point is our personal responsibility to our generation, and then the second point is the poverty of our generation. And I don't know if I covered those two points, but, but I hit, hit licks here and there, and hopefully, maybe. But I'd like to move to this provision for our generation. Uh, God has definitely provided to our, our generation. I mentioned this morning 92, 92 times the King James Bible used that word generation Over in Lamentations, chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says this, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever, thy throne from generation to generation. And Daniel's going to say, I love this, and some of these days, I'd like to preach. I've got a message on this in Daniel's chapter number four, verse three. Let me read uh, verse verse two and three. Uh, this is this is the statement of Nebuchadnezzar uh, after that. Uh, He has been, uh, after he's seen God blessing these young prisoners, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 1 says, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought toward me. Verse 3, here's here's our verse. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from from generation to generation. Daniel says it simply, there's a God in heaven. He rules in the affairs of men. He says that over and over through this book of Daniel. I'm thankful there's a God in heaven. And when I've failed, when I'm in trouble, when the crisis comes in this generation, he still deals in wonders and marvelous works. Toward us, think about think about the darkest day that you, Christian. Think about this: the darkest day that you can remember in your life, and how God worked. It's amazing. Sometimes, some we sometimes I think we make mistakes trying to bail people out of their problems. And, and then we say, God, where were you while, you while you didn't work? Well, he may have worked a great, mar- marvelous work. Sometimes it's, David said, Psalm 119, it's good for me that I was afflicted. For when I was afflicted, I learned your statutes. It's good for us at times to be afflicted. It's good for us to go through some trials uh, though we don't enjoy those trials. See the devil he tempts and tries us he tempts us to make us fall. He wants us to fall. But God tries us not to make us fall but to sharpen our faith and strengthen our faith and and we know Him, and and bring back, bring us back to a relationship with Him. It's not it's not too hard to pray when you get down to death door. Not too hard to pray when when the the babies are sick and you don't know what to do with them, and, and all. Of, so, but there's a God in heaven for every generation. There's a God still God God still on His throne two times we've already read from generation to generation. The same God of yesterday's generation is the same God of our generation. The same God who bailed out the three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace is the same God we serve. The same God that uh, was locked the jaws of the lions when Daniel was in the lion's den. That's our God. He's still on the throne. And so uh, so his reign. Let me see what I've got. A psalm. Uh, what I, if you want to put a finger in psalms, you can probably just stay there. I've got several psalms to look at. The the verse said David served his generation. What I'm going to preach tonight is is the the uh, prerequisites for serving this generation. If you depend on personality, you're gonna be disappointed pretty quick. Brother Gary had a couple come and sit under the tent yesterday, but they didn't stay long. Uh, Apparently, he had enough personality to get them under the tent, but they, no. He was giving them scripture and they couldn't stay for the scripture. Once he began to give Bible truth, They wanted to leave pretty quick. That's the way it works. So if you're depending on what you can do, you're going to be hurt. The secret, one of the secrets of serving this, hey, if there's ever been a, over in Philippians chapter 2, and and it's in Deuteronomy at several places through he talks about a crooked and perverse generation he said he says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 that he said do all things 14 do all things without murmuring and disputing that you may be blameless and harmless listen to this the sons of god without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation he, over in Deuteronomy says a crooked and perverse generation uh, a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world it's not our light it's his light and we are only lights as he shines through us and so Uh, so uh, his reign his word chapter 12 of Psalm David said this verse 6 the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, and Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Get it? In David's generation, it was the Word of God. But he said the only hope of every generation forever is this Word of God. We can't leave this, this crowd that's that's saying, uh, well, just pull back from some of that Bible truth and and get a little bit more palatable to the to the visitors and the, and, the, and the people around us. No, there's just one way, and that's in the Word of God. If we leave the Word of God, he said it's a, it's a forever book. Uh, there's plenty of scriptures, and you know them. You know some of them. As I told you this morning, my granddad was a circuit rider, church planner, missionary to the Indian nation up in Oklahoma. He did say, "Go to the Samaritans." And that's where my great-granddad went, church and started churches. My gr- my granddad was from the other side he came from the other side he and his brother uh, had homesteaded in the land run in Oklahoma but my gr- that granddad never learned to read or write he could he depended on the preaching of the word of god he depended on his wife to read his do his bible I, I said, after we got through milking, after we fed the chickens and the hogs, and after we had breakfast, Grandma would pull that old black book out and throw the sheet over the table. And, and, the, and she would read to my granddad an hour or so. They would spend every morning with the Word of God. They, they, would, they would read it, and they would talk about it. And I got lots of Bible truth just sitting around in that kitchen with them by the wood stove and listening to uh, them preach to each other. My granddad was not ever a preacher. He couldn't have preached without being able to read. He never learned to read but he had a reputation all through the community as being a man of prayer and he was a soul winner if you talk to him 15 minutes he was going to ask you about the Lord do you know the Lord my, my dad who was a preacher I, I said this morning at one time I thought he was the greatest preacher in the United States best preacher I knew. I, I've prayed a lot of times, God let me preach like my dad preached. Give me the unction and, and uh, burden that my dad had. But my dad's testimony of salvation was, he had two older brothers that were out in the world. There were five boys in it and no, no uh, girls in that family. And his two older brothers were out in the world and my granddad had a prayer altar down at the barn. When the sun went down, it was time to go to bed at grandma's house. She didn't, she didn't burn coal oil lamps for nothing. And if you if you're just gonna sit around and talk, you either did it in the dark or you went to bed, one or the other. When it got dark, you need to go to bed because it's going to be dark when you got up but dad's dad's testimony was my granddad going down to the barn when everybody went to bed, he would go to the barn, and down there at the barn, he had a place where he knelt and prayed, and after a while. He'd get a hold of something, and and Dad would. Dad talked about pulling the quilts up around his ears, to try to hold out. The he he was under such conviction about his soul, and my granddad was praying for his boys to be saved. My, both those boys got saved later. One of them became a preacher and he he told me the story of how that all happened but it was my granddad prayed to him he he could he couldn't do some things he couldn't do but he could pray when i my dad pastored that old home church when i was about 18 years old and and when we'd get out and go in the community there was a country church. We went to two or three towns around there. Uh, it was all about the same distance. You know, just going to town like teenagers do. But I would, somebody, I'd introduce myself to somebody and they'd say, Hudson, are you any kin to of Uncle Walter? They, that's how he was known all over that whole community. And, and immediately I knew what was go- somebody was going to tell me what a great uh, man of God my granddad was. I heard it everywhere I went. My dad was a preacher. Here's what I'm getting to. My great-granddad could start churches in the Indian nation. My granddad had soaked folks uh, all over that county who who he helped lead to the Lord through his testimony of life it's pretty exciting to go to church with him we uh, He and I would ride the wagon down to the church three miles the prayer the uh, Amen corner was right over there. They had some pews turned sideways, and that's where my granddad sat. And that's, of course, that's where I was. But but when the preaching got on, it, you weren't going to get much rest over in that corner. They were they were shouting and clapping, and uh, there it was a lot going on in that corner. And he could reach a county or so with his testimony. I was raised with all the cronies of my dad, all those friends who came by the house. And they immediately wanted to talk about the Lord and I immediately would hit the back door. But you know they impacted. Down in my heart of hearts, I wanted to know the joy that they had in Jesus. I wanted to know the power that they had with God. I wanted to know uh, just the personal relationship that would would draw them. To always fellowship around the things of God and the and the uh, and the Word of God, and the prayer life that they had one on one with God, I wanted to know that. There's a verse over in John chapter four. You remember Jesus spoke to the woman of the at the well in John chapter four, and she left her water pots and went down to the city of Samaria. When Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white already to the harvest, in John 4, 35, he was probably looking at those white-coated Samaritans coming out of the city headed to the water well because she had went and said, come see a man that told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ?" but down in the down in the latter part I've got the verses if you want them you can look I'm not going there but in John uh, chapter number 4 somewhere somewhere John 442 or John 22 through 24 John 420 4.42 is the verse I want. They followed her back to Jesus. And Jesus has preached. His disciples came and said, We've got, we brought the hamburgers, it's time to eat. He said, I've got meat to eat, you know not of. And he continued to preach. By the time you get to verse 42, the, the men turned to her and said, You told us about it, but now we're not dependent on what you learned because we heard him ourselves. We have heard with our own ears. We don't have to depend on your testimony. Could I say this? When they talked about my great-granddad, my heart would yearn to be like that. When I saw the faith of my granddad, I wanted to be like him. When I heard my dad preach with tears and brokenness and the power of God would fall, I wanted that. But right now here today, I know what the power of God is. Right now, I I don't have to depend on that testimony or that testimony or that testimony. That was for another generation. I can tell you all about that. It doesn't stir you a bit. If you didn't know any of them. It's just kind of hearsay. But here I am and I'm still I'm living in this generation. Don't you get it? I don't have to depend on my dad. I I remember calling dad for this truth or that truth or something I'd be puzzled about the word of God and 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 he'd always have an answer. I remember going to a family reunion, deeply troubled uh, about some financial matters and just life problems that we get into. And I waited around all day trying to get a hold of my dad. He was busy talking to this one, that one, the other one. It was a family reunion. Finally, I just broke into the conversation I said, We were fixing to leave and drive back home. I said, Dad, i got to speak to you right now. We went out under the trees, day about like today, just a beautiful day. We're standing out there under the trees, and I broke down and wept and poured my heart out to my dad. You know what he did? He pulled me up close to him. And he said, let's just pray about it. And he didn't have any great wisdom. He didn't have a magic verse that I could apply to my situation. But he took me to the throne of grace. And in that prayer, God settled peace in my heart. He's not here anymore. If I've got a problem now, I could say with these Samaritans, now I've heard Him. Now I've seen Him. Now I know. I don't have to depend on that generation. Now in this generation, I know God's still God. I know Jesus is still the Savior. I know that He still gives love, joy, peace. He still has mercy. There's still grace for every. Hour of need. I know that right now. And I can help you know that. They helped me. All of them. My grandma was one of the best preachers I knew. While she was stirring gravy and making them big old biscuits, she could put the truth of the Word of God on me. They helped me when I needed it in that generation. But that generation won't suffice for today. I can't go back to the wood stove and get help from Grandma. I can't go back to the wagon and talk it over with my Grandpa. I stop down there at the graveyard every once in a while, look, look at that grave and try try to get some fellowship of some sort with my dad, it just doesn't work. He's not there. He's already over there. But in this generation, in this moment, there's a Savior. And the King of glory knows my name. One of the greatest verses in the Bible to me is Luke 22. Remember it? Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. However that verse is. And Peter's saying, no, I'll never deny you. If I die, I'll never deny you. Before morning, he's even denied that he ever knew it. But, but the next verse says, one of the next verses says, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Hey, church, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're a teenager. I don't know if you're a senior saint. I don't know how long you've been saved. I don't know what the situation is, but Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Jesus said, John 10, 10, The thief has come but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He's still the same thief. Peter said, There's a roaring lion going about, seeking whom he may devour. It's real tonight. It's where we are. Yeah. But the rest of that verse says, This is what I love. Peter Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. You know what? I need his prayers for me. I was was meditating on that verse yesterday as I was driving, and I just got overwhelmed with my need for, for for the throne room power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't do it. I admit to you that I'm a very weak vessel. I can't do it, but I've got a Savior and there's a God in heaven that rules in the affairs of men. His provision I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in a book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the greatest that Jesus loved me. Oh, Jesus loved me. That Jesus. It's a love letter. What do you do with a love letter? What? You probably pick it up, smell of it. Think about it, read it, and put it where you can get back to it again a little later and meditate. You girls, one day you'll say, Does he really does he really think that much of me? Does he mean me when he says those things? That love letter. You mean me, Lord? You mean it for me? I got a love letter. It's still it's still the power of every day. I still have his mercy. His provision. I've got provisions to to be a servant to this generation. You read that, did you hear that verse? He said, I will give you the sure mercies of David. I've got his mercy. I, hey, were not for his mercy, I couldn't stand here tonight. Were not for his mercy, he would have destroyed me long ago. It's mercy. Well, let's look at these prerequisites and I'll be done. I've got four, four or five, I got five prerequisites out of the Psalms. I would say, based on verse 36, David, after he had served his own generation, listen to this, by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid to his fathers and saw corruption. As I hear that, David, after he served his, own, I hear you can go over there to have you ever been over there to that chapter over in Second Samuel, when David is barefooted and has his head covered, and he's going out across the valley. And and that, I think his name is Shimei. Is throwing rocks and cursing, and and he's weeping and broken. And they said, "Let us take his head off." Those those mighty men. He said, "What good is it? That's my boy back there that has took my throne. That's my boy that has undermined me. He has he he's broken my heart." That fellow throwing rocks and cursing can't do anything to hurt me compared to what my boy. But he had the sure mercy of God. And out there in the wilderness, God had a, a Mephibosheth. No, not Mephibosheth. I can't, he had a man who would go. And feed him, care for him and bring him back to the throne. The mercies, the sure mercy. He said, said, "You, you can have that. But here's what it'll take. Psalm 42, one of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 42 verse 1. As the heart, the H-A-R-T heart, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Do you have this? Do you have a heart for God? Looking out, our, looking out my back window of my house, over here on the left is a water pond out in the horse farm out behind us. Over here on the right is the, is the woods that is the nest for the deer. Every day we watch those deer as they go across. They go down. I've, I've never been as impressed with it as I am right now after this drought this summer. They go to the water every... They'll go in broad daylight. They'll go when the dogs are out. They'll go, there's nothing that stops them from getting to the water. They've got to have water. Without water, they're going to die. David said, as that deer goes to the water and lives by the water and has to have... I've got to have you, God. My heart cries for you, God. I've got to have something from you, God. You're my God. And my heart longs for you. Do you have that? Is that part of your Christian makeup? It's a prerequisite to take the gospel to a to a. wicked generation. You're going to have to have it. There's got to be that place of peace with God. Sometime along about this, in the the summer this year, the pond went dry. And so I started filling a tub with water. And every day, those deer would empty the the tub they've got to have that water we've got to have him yeah. I mean without him it becomes a sham I mean tinkling cymbals, sounding brass a heart for God there's got to be if we survive there's got to be a closet in our life somewhere I read about Uh, The the mother of the, uh, who's the founder of the Methodist church? John? Huh? Their mother, she had about 14 kids. And she said to her kids, when I've got my apron over my head, you leave me alone. I'm in my sanctuary with the Lord. So while the kid, 14, you imagine, she puts her apron over her head and they knew that Mama's alone with God. I don't know where your closet is, but you've got to have one. And the, and there ha- I was reading a thing Somebody gave, uh, Tammy gave me a book the other day on Amy Carmichael. It's the letters of Amy Carmichael. She calls them candles, uh, candles in the dark. And what she said to one of her students in the letter was this, you have to have a quiet place. You have to have a place you can go to and commune with God every day. If you you don't have that, you'll have no relationship with Him. Y'all understand that? As busy as we are, there's got to be a place that we stop and look to Him and speak with Him and pour our heart out to him and let him say something to our soul. Psalm 119. 119, verse... 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I've used that verse a lot. Thy faithfulness, verse 90, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. What, what the psalmist is saying is, get a hold of this word because it is given to all generations. Down in verse number 97. Oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day, though thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, and th- for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than my teachers and so on. How do I get it? Meditation. I've had all kinds of recipes for reading the Bible through it. I, 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 I guess I started with three chapters a day and, and five on Sunday. And that'll get you through the Bible in a year. And I did that for a while. We had a singing group come through our church one time, just, I think it was two boys and a girl, or maybe three, I mean, two, two girls and a boy or three girls and a boy, I can't remember which. But one of the girls, I was talking to her, and she said, I'm reading my Bible through every month this year. Well, think about it. She's a singer. They practice a certain amount. They have the concerts. They go from church to church. But she has a lot of time on her hands. She had no kids. They're traveling, and she was dedicating herself to spend time in her book. But it frustrated me. I'm the pastor, and I imagine that's the way you feel. But when I was an electrician, I wanted the best tools in the crowd, and I wanted to know how to use my tools better than anybody else in the crowd. I wanted to be the best hand on the job. As a pastor, hey, boil it down to carnal... uh, You're paying me to study the Bible and teach you the Bible. That's what you're paying me for, right? When I get necessary, this place—it's not personality, but it's Bible. That you wanting the Bible preached, and you wanting truths out of the Bible—I better be studying. And so, in my mind, the pastor ought to be the greatest Bible reader, and the greatest the pattern for the whole church. Y'all see it that way? It ought to be that way. Peter told those Peter told those preacher boys. He said, "You." You heed the Word of God, you feed the Word of God, and then you lead them in the Word of God. That's that's the whole work of this ministry that we call pastoral ministry. It's all around the Word of God. You can read the Bible as good as I can. So I couldn't read a thousand... Read it every month, but I, I, I figured that I could read it four times a year. So I took off on trail for that. After a while, I realized I was counting pages, and every day I had to read so many pages. I came, I backed off, came back another direction, and started reading the Bible. Old Testament once, New Testament twice, Psalm and Proverbs uh, several times during the year. But I've come down to this, and here's what I wanted to say to you. It's not a matter of how much you read or how little you read. Or, it, that's not it at all. What matters is this. You ought to pray before you read, And then you ask God to give you something out of that Word that you can carry through the day with you. And all day long as you're housekeeping or studying, going to classes or or, uh, working a job, all day long you can meditate on that Word of God that you got that morning. and and he says that when you do that's when you you become stronger than the strong man and wiser than the wise man and able to stand the pressure of being a christian in an unchristian world you need to get enough to carry you one day at a time <clears throat> the word of god I know I'm running a bit a little bit longer but I want to, I can't pass this up I heard a testimony of a missionary to the Ukraine and he talked about when he went there that uh, no he was a Romanian missionary he went to Romania Remember when Romania opened up and there was a lot of independent Baptists went there. I knew two guys that went there and tried to start preacher schools, things like that. But, but he said when he went there, the men, most of the men had been in prison for preaching the word of God. The preachers had been imprisoned, and he said as we as we built our church, most of my the church was built up of those ladies wearing their kerchiefs around their neck, their head. And he said one of those, the, you, remember, you remember the smuggling of the Bibles? Y'all remember that? When we smuggled Bibles into those Eastern Europe countries, into Russia. I, we had a missionary on the port of Houston. Uh, one of our mission conferences, we always went down to the port. And that day we took in three suitcases full of of tracts and Bibles and what have you in the Russian language because we were going on that Russian ship. I, di- I didn't go. I let our visitors go. And I went over to a Philippine vessel. But... Uh, the ones that got to go on the ship told the story of how they opened those suitcases and the officers were first in line of course but those suitcases were emptied within five minutes of being opened all of all of that all, that Bible was so precious and this Romanian lady had her her had her Bible in She told the story to this missionary how that she had the Bible. It was the Bible for the whole church. She read it, cried over it, prayed it, and then she handed it off and somebody else read it. and, And it was dirty and torn and marked. And you can imagine what it looked like. And she was sitting in her house that night Reading her Bible, and and the door broke open, and a Russian sergeant stood at the door. And she laid her Bible on the table, and stood at attention, trying to get to him. And he's questioning her, and all of a sudden she sees her Bible. And she began to cry and, and beg God, don't let, him, don't let him hurt my Bible. Don't let him get that Bible. Don't, don't let him uh, take my Bible. And the Russian sergeant got there, looked at the Bible. He could see all the marks and tear stains on the Bible. He said, you love this book, don't you? She said, oh yes, I do. He said, please don't hurt my Bible. It's the only Bible I have. Please, 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 sir, don't hurt my Bible. And he said, keep your Bible. Threw it on the floor and stomped out. And she said, I never saw him again. She picked up her Bible and loved her Bible you love your bible there's a beautiful bible been laying in the kitchen for 3 weeks owed to one of our young people it's a bible I'd preach out of it is a real bible i can't imagine laying a bible down for 3 weeks and not touching it do you love your bible You got any marks in it? You got a tear stain or two? I mean, if I picked up your Bible, would I know you loved your Bible? I picked that Bible up back there the other day and flipped through it. Some of the pages were still stuck together. It's not hard to know if you've used your Bible. You're not going to be effective to this generation without the Word of God. You've got to have the Word of God. A love for the a love for the Lord, a heart for the Lord, a love for the Word of God. How about Psalm 122.1? I was glad when they said unto me, "Let us go into the house of the Lord." Do you love the house of God? We don't hear much about this. You can have a position. But if you're not faithful to the house of God, you're not ready. I'm not gonna preach on this, I'm just gonna just mention it. The greatest day of the week is the day you get to go to the house of God. Hey, we come in here, you become a blessing to me. I need to be a blessing to you. We, we refuel our souls at the house of God. We get filled back up, cheered back up, stirred back up to go back out to this, this wicked and, and perverse generation, the Bible calls. Psalm chapter five, verse three. My vo- uh, he said, give ear to, my, ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King, my God, for unto thee will I pray, my voice thou shalt hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer for thee, and I will look up, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness or evil, uh, nor shall evil de- dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. But as for me, I'll come into the thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. A dependence on answered prayer. Psalm 105, verse number 3. There's, it's, it's just... Uh, David says it over and over again. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people, sing sing unto Him, sing psalms of Him, glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them that rejoice seek the Lord. Verse 3. I don't know where my family would be tonight if that old granddad that couldn't read or write hadn't have had an altar down at the barn. If you'd been there, his barn was not anything to brag about. It was just a little old shed-like barn with a, it had an overhang on it that he put grain bundles on. And that was the barn. Somewhere down there, he had his altar. He saved our family. He saved, my dad got saved, I got saved, my wife got saved, our kids got saved, my grandkids got saved. It's still going on, the result of that prayer life down at the barn. Another generation. And I've got one more over in Psalm 71. He said, I've been young and now I'm old. But help me, O Lord, to, to give thy salvation to this generation. I want to do my very best to give that Bible in a way that folks would hear it, receive it, be saved and live for Jesus. We are the witnesses for this generation. We serve this generation. David served his generation. Let's stand. Father, please take charge. Help us, Lord, to humble our hearts before you. Help us to hear your word. And help us to obey your commands. Take charge of each of us. Help us as a church to be all you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother John? 215. I invite you to come to the altar. Do what do just do business with God right now. My Jesus. with our course, it's page 533, till the whole world knows.